This podcast is a 98 Studios production. This episode is brought to you guys by the 2024 Alchemy Excellence event. Today's the day, baby. Today's the day. Today's the day. Today's the motherfucking day. Today is the day. Today's the day. Today is the day. Today's the day. Do you actually know why Liquid Death came to be? Do you want to know the story? Tell me the story because I've heard multiple. Tell me the story. Okay, I'll tell you the actual story because I talked to, of course, the founder and then their investor group. Peter Pham is the investor down in in LA that put all the money together and launched it with them. But so this dude's going to school, California, and he goes to like uh, the jam sessions with a bunch of the bands on the campus. And then there was a jam fest and he's back there and there were some of the the national brands or uh, bands that came in. They were on the stage playing. Mm Mm-hmm. And he was behind with all these different bands and monster was the sponsor. Yep. Right. Yep. And so they had monsters all around in the back, but they all had these little stickers on the bottom of them that said band water. And he's like, what, what the hell's band water? What does that mean? They're like, well, you can't drink monster and be out on stage and like be jamming in the sun. You'll pass out. You need like liquid. Yeah. And so we just dump them out, fill it with water. So no we way. look cool. <laughs> and so he's like, wait, what? And so he came up with a water that looked cool because you don't want to be standing like with one of these in a party too. Yeah, not at all. Because you look like a dipshit. True. So um, he came out with that and it started just to have people that don't want to drink look like they're drinking and hang and be cool, but then also for bands. See, I've heard a variation of that, which is so sick. Like That's a crazy, I mean, you think of like, how did you come up with that? And it's like. Just, that's pretty brilliant cool. not just look cool but that was the reason he wanted to look cool um so we're gonna dive in tell some stories chat hopefully get some advice get to know you a little bit but for anyone who doesn't know who you are already you're the founder of the savory fund which we're gonna dive into what that is if you don't know what that is anyone in utah knows what that is right or they know what you've done right which is or super, they know one of the brands right exactly yeah. something affiliated something that you've gone and, and and helped so i'm super excited to dive into that but like just just to start it who who are you? Like, where are you from? Who are you? And then we'll dive into everything. Yeah. So, uh, born and raised in Chicago, uh, okay. on the North shore, uh, in a, a town called Evanston. Okay. Uh, I was there because my dad was a dentist and then he was also one of the deans at Northwestern. So okay, we were cool. in the city for that reason. My parents actually grew up in Northern Utah. So in Ogden area, okay. got married, they went out there to school, uh, had five siblings. So they had five kids while we were out there. And uh, so I grew up in the city. It was super dope. It's the greatest city on earth. I mean, it's much better than New York, San Francisco, LA by a long shot. Tough in the winter though. Super tough in the winter. I I remember with my, I had two younger boys and I told them one time when I brought them to to Chicago, I'm like, you're going to see what it feels like when your eyeballs freeze. And they're like, what? (laughs) We went out there one time, walked around a a building, you know, 30 degree below wind chill. And they're (laughs) like, dad, our eyes are tacky. I'm like, it's because they're freezing. So yeah, it's cold out there. (laughs) Dude, I went to, I went to Chicago for the first time two years ago or a year and a half ago, blew my mind. I don't know why. I don't know why I never really affiliated it with the big cities. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Obviously it's a big city. They think the coasts have the big cities. It's a big city. It's huge. And it is Gotham. It's Gotham. That blew my mind. It was, I was walking around Gotham. It was Chicago's amazing. It's really cool shopping blast. Okay. So how how did you get from there back to Utah? Yeah. The, the thing you don't typically want to do is go to a school where your dad's a Dean. Just so you know. So true. Um, most of my siblings, did you figure that out the hard way or did you? No, no, no. I watched my brother. Um, he went to Northwestern. He enjoyed it, but then he came out here to go to BYU. Um, I have some cousins in Alpine, so we would come out, uh, during summer sometimes and hang out in Alpine when it was much smaller Utah, right? Everything was orchards. It wasn't grown out, Yeah, but it was still cool to me. I liked the mountains. I liked the outdoors. And so, uh, my siblings before me had come brother, two sisters. And I'm like, I think I'm going to go out there and try Utah. I came out here liked it didn't love it the first year year and a half i was here went mm-hmm. to school and then uh went back to chicago oh you went back i went back to chicago i thought that i wanted to be like the bachelor right where i live in a flat in the city live the city life right yeah so I'm like this could be super cool and so i went out there liked it started dating a gal thought i was gonna marry her was there for a year and a half worked for this cool company called sears and roebuck that puts me back there a little bit. Okay. Sears. And, and what did you do? I uh, sold soft goods at Sears. So <laughs> like electronics. Heck yeah. Right? So electronic stuff, but uh, made good money when I was, I don't know, what was I 19 at the time and lived in the city and I loved it. Did um, you live the city life? No, lived the city life. I, I love was, that. I lived it hard. <laughs> you, you, you scratched that itch. Yeah, I scratched that itch big time. <laughs> good, good. And I don't know. I, I just felt like I, I was being called back here for some reason. So I came back to, to Salt Lake and. I've been here ever since. 
I love that. So not not born and raised here, obviously, which is really, really cool. So you have that that outlook, very, very different outlook than most people who are born and raised here. Yeah, yeah. And then you came, didn't love it, moved back, came back. Realized I loved it. Right? Realized <laughs> yeah, you yeah. loved it. That's one thing I realized. The more time, I always thought, oh, I'm going to move out of Utah when I get home. I'm going to yep. move out of Utah. And then when I moved out of Utah, I was like, holy crap, I miss Utah. Yeah, you do. And I think that when you move, when you fly around the the country, country mm-hmm. has got so much to offer. It's a beautiful country, right? Yeah. Cool cities. There's cool history everywhere. I don't know. Whenever you fly back and you land in Utah and it's you like get in your car, you're like, this just feels right. It's 100%. just so good here. It's, it is a hundred percent. So then you, you get back to Utah and then what's your journey getting back to Utah? At what, how old are you at this point? 23? I'm 20 years old when I come back. Oh, you're 20. So I went out there when I was 18 and a half, was there a year and a half, okay. came back here when I was 20. Got it. So came back when you were 20 and then what was the the journey from there? Started going back to school, started getting, uh, uh, went to uh, a company called Ultimate Electronics up here in Orem. Okay. It so was, you were just an electronic I was an electronic guru. guy. I was selling it. You're just selling it. At the time though, it was like uh, theaters. Theaters were big in-home theaters. Oh yeah. So we were selling theater systems and stuff and I love that stuff. It was so cool. That's awesome. Back in the day and you could make good money doing it. So made great money, met the, the Southern California blonde gal, fell in love, put a ring on her finger. And, uh, was thinking I was going to get married to her Yep. and we were planning out a wedding and out of the blue, she's like, you know what? I don't think we should get married until you serve a, a mission. And I'm like, a mission, <laughs> I'm not going what? on a mission. And she's like, yeah, I think you need to go serve a mission before we get married. I'm like, you've got a ring on your finger. Like <laughs> we're already we're going, there. We're there. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, nope. So I don't know what I got intervened there a little bit. And so I'm like, fine. And so I kind of did it in spite of everything. No way. Yeah. Four months later, I was on a mission. No way. And she was cool with <laughs> that. Like, no way. That sounds, I didn't yeah, serve a mission. I mean, All my friends did. Yeah. And I think about like, after you already make the decision not to serve a mission, what it would take to get you to serve a mission is psychotic. A girl. That is psychotic. <laughs> a, girl, a girl that you love wow. is the only way that you can get out there. So I went because she was like, you better go. I'm like, freak. So and where did I, you serve? Dominican Republic. It was like tough mission. Like, <laughs> That's and it a was curveball. Yo, it was I a didn't huge curveball. That. I like that. So listen, I have a, a ring on her finger. I'm thinking she's going to wait for me. One year in, I get the letter. No. Oh yeah. I get the letter. She's like, <laughs> did you finish? Felt- <laughs> you yes. served the full term? I, I was thinking about coming home, but I didn't. Oh my God. So she returned the ring to my sister and uh, that was living out here and she got married to another dude. And I was out there like crushed. No, but I stayed persevered until the end. I don't like quitting. That's one thing I would say is I just don't quit. I, don't I love what that. it is. I love that. And what was, so in that moment, take yourself back to that moment. You get, sorry to make you go relive that. <laughs> let's, let's talk about your pain. Yeah. Let's go to that directly to it and relive it. Uh, what was going through? I'm sorry. What was I going was like, through your I mind? I came out here for you because of you. And now you're abandoning me. I felt abandoned. I felt like I was lying. Did you tell cheated. her that? Oh, for sure. And, but you have to remember though. Back in that time, dude, letters. you're like le- letters and it was two, three weeks late. Oh my god! So she told me and it was two weeks late, three weeks late. And then you sent one back and it's like a month. She's already like. She's gone so, man. Oh my There's no gosh. FaceTime. There's no phone calls. There's oh nothing. my gosh. That, my respect like a just Dead Sea Scrolls. You. you get them like this off of a fax Oh machine, my so. gosh. Okay. So heart shattered, I assume. Shattered. You yeah. finished, which is, that's incredible. Like a mission alone is incredibly difficult. Super hard. And mine was hard in the dr is probably especially if there was a fourth world it's the dr it's it was back backwoods and um you know you're you're you got a machete on your back and you're chopping grass and sticks and stuff going from hut to hut it it was hard hindsight do you feel like that's the best place you could have been for something like that to happen uh probably because the only reason i didn't come home is because there was an ocean in between me and miami yeah because i think i would have probably come home and try to save the relationship yeah no i'm in an island in the middle of the ocean that is psycho. That is psycho. It case. is psycho. So we're only five minutes in, and this is a crazy conversation. I'm loving it. I'm I'm enjoying every second. That was a curveball in a weird way. Sometimes I feel like I can predict yeah. how a conversation is going to go and anticipate yeah. it. That was a curveball that caught me. I got a card. couple more curveballs. So you. if I lost my my cool, that's why. Yeah, yeah. Um. So then, okay, you, you go, you finish out the full two years coming home. What was that feeling like? Obviously, with the girl stuff, was there baggage? Was it like? screw this. I yeah, no, this place, I felt, or? I probably felt more motivated to come back and just conquer the world. Right. Like I kind of felt like I did this, I sacrificed and I felt like someone said something to me that was something I held on to is the reason I was there. And then I lost it. And 
I think I had on my own personal conversion, me, maybe, you know, between me and God that Which I was like, awesome. I needed it. Yep. Um, I didn't have it in my life. I grew up a Mormon kid in Chicago, which is very different than Utah. Yep. It just is. And, uh, and so I think I needed that yeah. and it's kind of been my rock for the rest of my life. So I, I think it, I don't regret it, but I was, I was angry for sure. And then the last part of my mission, I'm like, I learned the most about myself and about my life and about what I wanted to do, which is I'm just going to go put my head down and crush. Yeah. It doesn't matter what I do. And, and subconsciously you probably worked that muscle of not quitting to a whole new level. Oh yeah. Like you probably, you maybe don't even, or didn't even at the time realize the fact that like you go and do that. Now your brain knows you don't quit period. Yeah. Like things can get pretty damn hard after that. And you you already know you're not going to quit. You're like, you said, you're wired not to quit. And yeah, I think that's I'm just wired not to quit, it. especially when I had a lot of chances where I thought I am going to quit mm-hmm. a lot of chances. Um, and there were some stuff that went on in our mission that was pretty tough. Yeah. Very tough. And the church had to send some of their leaders down to fix it. And I was right in the middle of all of it. And yeah. it's not for this podcast, but at the end of the day, I went through stuff that I'm like, I had to be here. Yeah. That's very, very cool. And and where did that come from? The prior to your mission, where did I don't quit come from? My dad. Your dad. Yeah. My dad, um, you know, he was the dad that I knew. I, I mean, I knew he loved us. He was mm-hmm. very close to us, but he was never around. And when I say he never, he was never around. He was busy, right? Mm-hmm. He was a dentist and had a practice right on Michigan Avenue. So yep. had a practice there that he, that he, uh, that he had. And then he was also a, a, a teacher, a professor at the school, as well as an associate dean. So he was a dean of the dental school. Yeah. So he was just very busy. And then he was also a forensic dentist. What which does that mean? A forensic dentist is someone that identifies people had, had been killed. Oh, by raped, their teeth. Murdered by their teeth. And even oh, wow. in plane crashes where you burn up, the only thing left is teeth. So he was all over the country doing forensics too, all the time. That's crazy. So he was never around, but I saw how hard he worked for five kids in the city. Mm. We had a good life, but it's not like we were so wealthy that we could do everything and anything. You're living in the city, right? And so um, just watching how hard my father worked and how devoted he was to his family made me kind of go, I just want to be him. I want to do whatever it takes and he doesn't matter if he was sick, he'd go and get on the train because we lived outside the city, take the train into the city, do his work, come home at nine, 10 o'clock at night. I'd say hi to him for a minute. But then every weekend on Sundays is when I would see him. And awesome. like I said, we were Mormons, but we, he would, we'd go to church or whatever, and he'd be in leadership positions. And then he'd come home. He's like, okay, everybody load up in the car. We're going to go have food. We're going to go see a movie, whatever. And he just cared about his family. And so he had a very tight knit bond that's with cool. his family. So I don't know. I, I just watched him and I'm like, I'm going to work as hard as he is. Yeah. That's, Cause dude, that's, that's what it awesome, takes. Right? Yeah, that's an awesome, having a role model like that's so big. That's amazing. You get back from your mission, you come back to Utah, right? Then what's the life path from there? I, I, I that literally point, flew t- home to Chicago, got off the plane. And I think four days later, bought a car and drove across the country to Utah again. And did you have anything in Utah or were you like, I'm going to go and come back? I like it. Just keeps calling you back. You yeah. can't get away. And Jason, then I'm, you want me to throw you a curveball? Yes, please. Even a bigger curveball. Okay. So I get here, move into a, a condo that I had found. And I think it was in the first week or two weeks, I get a knock at my door. I'm with, living with some dudes I don't know. Okay. And it was my fiance. No. Why? Because she had got married and then just got divorced. And then she came back to you. Yes. No, you didn't let her though. No. Okay, good. She is not my wife. Okay, good. I was like, <laughs> what are you doing here? She goes, well, it didn't work. You I'm like, a bigger curveball, no. so I was about to get pissed. I just told you. Was, yeah, you're, you're like, we're done with this yeah, podcast. I was about to say, you know what? You know what? That's not, you're a bad dude. Don't take that advice, anybody. That's incredible. <laughs> no. She, she, she literally knocked on your door. And what'd yeah. she say? She found me somehow. I don't know. And she's, she's just like, hey, can we talk? You know, it didn't work, whatever. I want to see if this will work. I'm like, what? You just said no. So I went and talked to her just to hear her out, but I'm like, no. So I never saw her again after that. Oh my goodness sakes. That <laughs> I just have to, I have to, I can't wrap my head around what's going through her head at that moment. Like, oh, I sent this dude off engaged. Yeah. I got married. I crushed gone. him. Yeah. I got married. And then gone. I think that maybe he'll forgive got me. Got a divorce. And I'm like, well, that didn't work. Yeah. Best guess we'll go to number two. Oh, that's crazy. There you are. So you did. See, that's my life right that's there. All in a bucket. Ball. I like that. <laughs> so living in, were you in Provo? I was in Provo, yeah. Living in Provo with some random dudes. Yeah. Then what? I, uh, started, I'm loving this, by the way. Okay. This is great. You just said is, just your stories. This is great. My story. I'm loving it. Um, I'm, I'm uh, living in Provo. Met this beautiful gal um, from Arizona. Started dating. Got serious, actually, pretty quick. Like, feeling like, hey, next thing to do is get married. 
right? You're off the Fine. niche too. So you got that in there. Yeah. And I'm a little older. I mean, I'd lived on my own for yep. three and a half years out of high school. Yeah. Right. So it's not like I just came out of high school and went on my mission. Yep. It's like I had lived a life before my mission life. You already got your city life. I already had my city life. I already Good. scratched that itch Good. too, Zach. Um, so anyway, uh, dated this gal. She was amazing. Everything about her was amazing. I, she was falling in love. I was getting there. I just wasn't there yet. And uh, one of my mission companions called and said, hey, I'm going to go with a couple of our buddies on a, on a date. Would you like to come? I'm like, sure. So I went on a date um, with a bunch of other mission companions. But there was really just a double date between me and this guy that called. With um, the same girl you've been hanging out with her? Different yeah, girl? same okay, girl. Okay. I mean, she was my serious girlfriend at the time. Cool. I thought I was going to maybe marry her. I, I didn't know. Cool. And uh, I was on this mission or on this uh, date with this mission companion of mine. And he brought this beautiful girl with her with him. And it was their first date. And I was like, what are you with this loser for? Because yeah. I love my companion. He's a stud. But I'm like, she's way better than you. <laughs> way out of your league. And uh, turned out to be my wife. Really? Yeah. So I'm on a date with the girl that I thought I was going to marry. And I'm looking at this girl going, what? It's It struck me. And I didn't know at the time. But she was like, oh, he's taken. Because there was something there. So I will tell you. I will skip forward. Because there's quite a bit to talk about if you want today. But. I remember being in my apartment. We had hung out in the same group a couple of times. I saw her a couple of times. I'm like, she's beautiful. And I just was not falling in love with my girlfriend. And Shauna, her name's Shauna. Your she, wife. My wife okay. from Alabama. Southern. What part? Dothan. Southern, Southern. I know Dothan. I know Dothan. I used to work in Montgomery, Auburn, all that area. And then down south, we'd go down with Dothan. the company with Vivint. Yeah, Dothan. No way. Yes, sir. It's like in the sticks. Bro. It's like the bottom corner. It's Florida. Yeah, exactly. It is. So she's, she awesome. was born in Palatka, Dothan? which is right over the border yep. in Florida because yep. that's where their family farm was. That's so sick. Okay, so we'll get she's there. She's Alabama girl. I she's, like her. She's badass. I need to have her on here too. You do. She's super dope. I would love that. Okay. Sorry, anyway, keep going. and you can hear her version of the story. I know it's going to be totally different. <laughs> yeah. It's like, this dude was weird. He kept staring at me on the date. <laughs> I'm well, we never even really talked about it. So Shauna said that one night she just had to muster up all the courage she had. Okay. She calls over to my apartment and I'm living now with some of these ex companions that I had. Yep. Just a bunch of dudes. I knew that we were good friends Yep. and we were living in the same complex. It's actually just right down the street. And, uh, she, I answered the phone cause then it was a cord to the wall. Yeah. So, you know, yep. so I answered the, the, the phone and, and I say, what's up? And she's like, Hey, this is Sean. I'm like, Hey, what's up, Sean? Let me get Joey for you. Cause I thought she was calling for my buddy that she'd gone on a couple of dates with. Yeah. And she says, no, I'm calling for you. I'm like, what? And she's like, yeah, I'm calling for you. I'm like, <laughs> okay, what's up? And she's like, I was just calling wondering when you're going to ask me out. And I said, that's gangster. Total. That's gangster. I I've like never her. had a girl do that in my life. And she said she was petrified. And I was like, that took so much courage for her just to do that. So I was like, right now, go downstairs. I'll meet you outside. I'll pick you up. So, so I went sick. downstairs, picked her up. We went out and just sat and talked for like three, four hours. Just got to know each other. And I brought her back to her place, dropped her off at her door, gave her a hug. It happened. That's had, so had to give crazy. her a kiss. You gave her a kiss. Yeah. And then first day, like, yet then you felt bad. No, I was like, oh, she, you, oh, you fell in love yeah, super <laughs> fast. <laughs> Gosh, <laughs> so I had to go break my girlfriend's heart. Oh no! And then uh, Sean and I progressed pretty quick. I mean, we were married in nine months. See, that's cool. But that's cool. And the fact that something came of it is cool. Right. Yeah. It would be a really, that'd be a bummer story if nothing came of it. Yeah, and it's like it just happened. breaking people's hearts. And it hearts. happened like, fast. And that's then so cool. my girlfriend too, she, I mean, obviously that was sad, but she's married. She's got, I think three or four kids now. Good. Um, and she's, she's happy. So it's all worked out. Good. That was, it always does. See, yeah, that's that awesome. That, your wife is a gangster. She that is. is so cool. And you know, she tells kids all the time around her. She's just like, you know what? Sometimes it just takes just one minute of courage to change your life for the better. Yep. So she always 100%. tells people that and she tells them that story. She's like, my life would have turned out different if I wouldn't have done that. That's so cool. Cause that's, I wouldn't have known. And that's, and that's cool of her. Cause even though like you were in a spot where if you did something like that, you're a total dick. A hundred percent. And if she comes to you, like that's, that's ballsy. Good for her. That's awesome. <laughs> that's so cool. Tell her There's that I life. was, tell her that I was absolutely impressed. That, yeah, that's for cool. sure. I will. <laughs> so you, will. you and Shauna get married pr very quick. So you're still young 20s, 23. Mid -20s. That's awesome. Um, 
And then what? Because now you got fast forwarding, you guys are partners. There's, there's obviously a lot in between there. And, and then obviously I have questions for you about everything, but like, yeah. So at the time I was still going to school <clears throat> and I was the school guy that, that did school stopped, school stop, school stop. I just, it's not ADD. You know, my boys have ADD, I think. <laughs> but <laughs> not I, you. Yeah. Wasn't not me. You, just no, <clears throat> they don't, I don't know what they called it back then. It was probably ADD, but I just didn't, I didn't go to school consistently like other kids do. I just, I didn't love it, but I knew I needed it. When I say I needed it, I always learned something, right? Yep. Where I'm like, oh, that was actually pretty good to learn. And I was getting to the point now where I had to kind of choose my major. So I'm like, I got to choose a major. I don't really know what, know what I want to do. Um, and so I chose a major, which was marketing and then also finance, because mm -hmm. I knew I, I knew that finance was the underbelly of all business. It doesn't matter what you're doing. You got to understand numbers you have to. somehow, right? Not yep. accounting is very specific finance. I'm like that, that will help me in my life. And then marketing. I mean, if you're going to sell something, marketing is the underbelly of everything sales too. And yep. I always felt like I was a sales guy because I was. Yeah. Right? So that's what I chose. And as I'm going to school, I had a roommate. And this is while Sean and I were dating. <clears throat> I had a roommate that was in computer science at BYU. And he came to me and we were watching a commercial one night and it was Jaguar. And he said, wouldn't it be cool if you could put that on the internet? And remember, this is 1998. So where is the internet progression at there? A couple of years in, man. Brand new. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And That's so, too. and so I'm like, yeah, that would be super cool. Cause I've always liked cars and, uh, he knew that. And he's like, I'm going to work with my, t my classmates. We're going to figure out how to put that on the internet. So he's working at BYU building this code. It's called a codec. And he came to me like a month later and showed me that commercial on the internet. What? And I'm like, wait, what am I looking at? And he's like, yeah, that commercial. I'm like, and that's on the internet. And he's like, yeah, that's what you're looking at. Blew my mind. Like just created a URL you could go to, to watch the commercial or what? No, it was on top of a, it was on top of a webpage. So it was, uh, it was on top of it. Got you. And so it was like a pop-up. Yep. 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 And back then again, that's, that didn't happen. Yeah. Right? It was the first kind of times I'd seen it. And so like everybody would do, I just started calling Jaguar. Right. I'm yeah. a sales guy. Yeah. I said, what do we do this? I'm like, let's see if Jaguar wants to buy it. Yeah. I'm not thinking there's a company there. I'm just like, let's see if they'll buy it. Yeah. I called Jaguar 500 times. Talk about perseverance. Like every day called, 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 called. There's no, I didn't really have emails. I didn't know how to find that. Just called, 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 see if someone would answer. Yeah. Finally got to someone and say, I have a technology you need to look at. It's going to blow your mind with your commercial. And they're like, okay, let me send you to some underlane. And they sent it to me to the person. I sent and he said, what's your email? I sent him an email, gave him the link, pulls it up. I can hear him listening to it. And he says, uh, what the heck is this? I'm like, this is your commercial on the internet. He's like, how much is it? And I'm like, 125,000. And he's like, okay, hold on a second. Let me go talk to my boss. Talk to his boss, came back. He's like, we'll take it. We'll, we'll use it. No like how, how often do we get to use it? I'm like, wait, that's just to use it. And they're like, yeah. I'm like, Okay. Yeah, let's go. Yeah, I get 125,000 annually. Yeah. <laughs> so I go to my roommate and I'm like, we got a company, dude. We got a Jaguar as a client. And he's like, what do we do? I'm like, I don't know. Like, let's go set up a business. So then I started asking around, how do you set up a business? I how love you hire that. People? We literally out of the freaking woodwork came up with a company. I'm like, do a commercial for BMW. Do one for Mercedes. What's the benefit do to them just to be able to, to send market it out. their brand? So they pay all this money to build a commercial, you know, half million, million. And it's million only months. on TV. Yeah. And now the internet's this new thing. It's blown everybody's mind. And they wanted to promote Jaguar initially wanted to promote test drives. So they wanted to send it to you. You see a new car that they were promoting on TV. You then click on it, set up a test drive. And then they came to your house, picked you up in the car. Oh, that's cool. So that's what we did initially with them. That's way cool. So we just started going after all the car companies. Then we went to credit card companies and we were signing up Fortune 100 companies, Fortune 500 companies everywhere. And so we were a legitimized company. Did you eventually have credibility where you could get through to these people a lot quicker oh, yeah. and easier? Oh yeah. Cause I'd say we're doing it for Jaguar and we're doing it for BMW and Mercedes are like, what? And so then American Express signed and the Citibank signed. And No way. That's crazy. And how long did you guys do that for? You could run that up. We did that for several years and then, um, you know, this is early on. So this is 2000 now. Okay. And, uh, the technology, we had a team of about 40 people, I think. And we were literally across the street from the studio here or down in the salmon colored buildings. Yeah. That's where my first offices were for my tech company. That is psycho. That's cool. <laughs> and it how is. long I, and may, like no offense meant by this question. I just don't, that was when I was born. How long was that 
like beneficial before it became obsolete because eventually there was probably software yeah, yeah. where it was like so this it was, is they the could do it themselves thing. really easy this is a curveball that you probably wouldn't know and nobody knows this um but there was three other companies that were really kind of starting to come out and whenever you have a technology and you think i'm the only guy that's doing this yep you're not yeah like there's everybody out there coming up with stuff that's kind of overlapping or new because the technology moves so fast and so um there was a company out of new york called interstitial there was one out of southern california called mind arrow systems and then there's one that was run by a guy that nobody knows his name is mark cuban so all of us were running tech companies with yeah. streaming media players and we were going around and trying to get you know sports companies to use it and others were fortune 500 companies these guys were retail companies so we would go to these tech shows, right? These trade shows is how you do it. Yeah. And there's still trade shows now, but they were bigger then. And we would have this big booth selling our software. And across from us was Cuban's booth and interstitial and mind arrow. So yeah, we started crowding the space with mm. our tech. Mm. And all of us had a little bit of a different tech. Mark sold his business, watched that thing happen. I'm like, holy crap, he's just sold that for a few billion dollars. Yep. Interstitial goes public, billion and a half. Mind arrow systems, billion, billion two. So I'm like, we got to go. I mean, we have big clients too. We're viable business. And this is 2001. And so I start going to market, getting my business ready, me and my partners. And the market popped before we could get out. So the dot-com bubble hit. So I didn't get out. It got stuck. Got stuck. No. I was not able to go out like everybody else. No. And so I'm like, oh my gosh. I mean, my business was like this, yeah. right? And it was the creme de la creme raise some six months company. prior you could have yeah gone out it would have been but totally it all happens life. for a reason yeah i mean my life has been great but um at that moment it wasn't great i mean it was dark time for sure like, think about going to the office and going what do i tell my team when the whole market's crashing um tech companies going out of business left and right and most of them were going out of business because they were they didn't have a product they had no revenue they had an idea and that was why that happened because people were going public or raising huge rounds of money and they didn't have a viable product. Well, we were viable. We made it through it. Grit. You survived. Grit. I mean, perseverance, grit, shrunk down a bit. And Mind Arrow Systems out of Southern California came to us and said, let's not compete anymore. Market is shrinking. Let us buy you. So they actually bought us. Oh, they did. So it was still a success. That's awesome. Now, was it the ring the bell and go public like I wanted? No, but... On the backside of that, I think that was a total success still because we didn't give up. Yeah. And so they bought us, had an office up in Salt Lake with our team. So we were in Southern California and here. And I was three three quarters into that reporting quarters. And I realized I just don't love being public. I didn't love it. It yeah. just took kind of the heart and soul out of it for they me. They bought you, kept you in position, mm -hmm. got you. Yeah. But everything gets corporatized at that point, I assume. It does. And corporatizing it and make, institutionalizing it, making it for the public market to, to see – I understand it and it was cool, but I kind of scratched that itch like within a quarter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After that, I felt like, I feel like I'm a robot and I'm a sales guy that I'm just putting up numbers and there's no fun in it anymore for me. That was for me. Yep. And so I started already kind of thinking forward to my next thing and uh, just real quick, you can ask whatever you want, but yeah. um, decided to, to resign, resigned, started a financial software company to solve a problem that I saw with my wealth manager that he didn't have a financial dashboard that I wanted. So I created that. Mm-hmm. And then I started selling it to wealth managers across the country. It was selling. I had some tech guys I had hired. And then I had one tech, uh, financial uh, wealth management company out of Michigan mm -hmm. call and say, we don't want anybody else to have your software. We just wanted, I'm like, we'll make an offer. So they made an offer. I couldn't refuse. And I took that deal. So that's, I sold that to And you're 20, 26. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. So I sold that to them. And then I rolled it into my last tech company, which was called Access Point because I moved in my home. I built this new, beautiful home for my family. And my wife and my two boys and uh, the builder had all this crap stuck everywhere. Like you have this million dollar home that I built at the time. This is 2000, whatever this is, 2006, seven. Yep. Uh, no, this is 2003. And I didn't have a manual or I didn't have any of the information on my home. I'm like, this has got to be a better way. I'm going to make it better. So then I created a technology to gather all of that and put it into a nice manual online, do all of your warranty service tickets online. So oh, I just did cool. that. And then I raised $40 million private equity money to back me by one of the biggest private equity firms out of Southern, uh, out of San Francisco. And we were growing like this again, month over month, quarter over quarter. We're going to take our business. We had 2,800 home builders nationwide, 2,800. 
Everyone from Donald Trump was my client, <laughs> all the way down to like local. The home fact builders. that you kept all your hair is probably one of yeah. the coolest parts of this. Yeah, I sure that hair stress, that time too. <laughs> through that stress, the fact that oh, you kept gosh. it and it looks incredible is amazing. <laughs> that's it's that's, a little bit more gray, Zach. I like it. The gray is a good look. So you, <laughs> that's what is that? Your third ride? Third ride, yeah. On a company that's just exploding. It's exploding, and it was one of the funnest times for me too. We were in Thanksgiving Point when Thanksgiving Point wasn't. Silicon Slopes. Josh hadn't coined it that yet. Yep. And uh we uh we were having a we were having a fun time. I mean, we had we had so much growth and so many builders using our technology because there was nothing out there like it. And my my story turned in 2007 when I was CEO of this company, um, living my best life. And Shauna came to me. We had two toddler boys. We have two boys. That that's what we had. And we're the all-American family. We can fit like in a it. car. I like it. Yeah, yeah. That's and not Utah typical. It's not Utah typical. It's not Utah typical. No, no, no. But she came to me and she said, listen, I, I have been a corporate wife all these years because she's when when you're a wife to an entrepreneur, you hear it all. Like the place you go and like vent everything is to your partner and your partner's your wife or yep. your spouse, your husband. Yep. And they know everything about the business, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And she was always so supportive to me. And she says, uh, I want to do something with my life other than just be a mom. I love this as my job, but I want to do something else. I'm like, great. What do you want to do? And she says, I want to, I want to open a restaurant. And in my mind, I'll tell you what happened in my mind. Yeah. It's the same fallacy and misperception and misconception of everybody. And that was restaurant. You don't make money. You work forever. They all fail. Yep. The same crap everybody thinks in their head. Right. 100%. And so that's what I'm thinking. But what came out of my mouth was like, I'd love to do that with you. Let's do that. I'd love to support you. <laughs> Because you've been so answer. supportive for me. Good answer. So I'm like, of course Good we'll answer. do that. <laughs> so I'm driving from out. I lived in Highland at the time and I'm driving down the Timpanogos Highway, right? There's a Smith's Marketplace that's being built and there's a sign out there saying out parcels for sale. I don't know. You know, pick up the phone and I'm like, yeah, you're selling some lots out here. And they're like, yeah, I'm like, I'll buy one million dollars, one acre lot. I don't, I thought that's what you do. Yeah. So I'm like, Sean, I got a piece of land here. What do you want to put on there? <laughs> and she says uh i want to put a neater's bakery and cafe and i'm like okay cool dope i I like that food it's good and so i said let's go talk to the founders and we want to talk to the founders and um the conversation i had with them is honestly why i find myself 15 years later sitting with you today doing what i'm doing so here this up really yeah they say uh, i say so you have you know five five neaters there's been 10 years why don't you have more and they're like well we never built a team for scale and we never raised the money to structure growth capital and we don't know how to do that i'm like that that's what i know how to do i know how to do that yeah so i kind of put that in the back of my mind i'm like sounds like it's easy so we start building the first restaurant up in highland they give us the rights to be franchisees yep. of meters we get into 2008 those are and perfect time to start a restaurant. This is perfect. Yeah. yeah. And in August, we're getting to the point where we're almost done with the building. Yep. We've got several million dollars into this project. Yep. Go into the office every day. And then the financial markets crash. And I'm like, how in the hell does someone go through two big crashes as a CEO of a company twice in their life? Yeah. Right. <laughs> And my life is melting down because the, the, it was a financial crash, but it was also construction industry crash too, because you didn't have financing. Yep. So we had 2,800 home builders. I'd say a thousand of them. It was like, they weren't even answering their phones. They just shut their doors and went home. It's like, we're, we're done. They just gave up. Yeah. And they didn't so have an life, option. No, it wasn't even an option. People oh. were building a tower, Zach, and it was like a 60 floor tower in Miami. They were at floor 38. And it's like, it's a 38 floor building now. They put a cap on Let's it. put it <laughs> You know, that's amazing. So it was a tough time for me because I'm like, I have to go live this again, but I've done it before in the dot-com bubble and I got to do it again. What up everybody. Thank you guys for listening. Today's show is brought to you guys by the Alchemy Excellence 2024 event. I want to tell you guys a little bit about that and then get you guys a discount for that. Um, but the Alchemy Excellence event is coming up. It's January 23rd and 24th. For those of you guys that are wanting to start your year off huge, anyone who's in sales and recruiting, owns a business, whatever it may be, the, the lineup of speakers is incredible. We have Todd Peterson confirmed, Kelsey Wells, Doug, myself will be, will be presenting, um, Jason Shaw, Casey Baugh, Jimmy Rex, Jeff Mendez. The, the list is amazing. And that's only some of the speakers. 
Um, it'll be a, a little, a short two day event. Absolutely worth your time. Again, if you're trying to go and start your year off right, these are the type of events that put you in proximity with the people who will push you to the next level. Um, and even if you're dominating, if you're on an absolute roll, it never hurts to go and get a little bit better. So mark it on your calendars. It's the 23rd um, and 24th. And then use the code EARLYBIRD24 for 50% off your tickets. Um, I strongly encourage anybody, 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 anybody who wants to have a big 2024 to go and get your tickets. And I'd love to see you guys there and to chat about the podcast and everything else. So I'll see you guys in January. Until next time. Hey, what's up, guys? I want to take a second to thank today's sponsor for the podcast. Um, the dudes who run this company are some of the coolest dudes that I know. The company is killing it. Um, and I personally use the product multiple times, but the sponsor today is King Cool Plunge. They make the best local cold plunges that I've ever, ever used. And those of you guys that know me, you know I love to sauna, I love to cold plunge, and they absolutely kick ass. So make sure you go check out King Cool Plunge on their website. That's K-I-N-G-K-O-O-L-P-L-U-N-G-E.com. Um, and use code TTD for $350 off. And so I was not living my best life. And we opened up our first restaurant in October of 2008. And Shauna goes in there every day, working in the business. We got a nanny. And Zach, it was a crushing success. Really? In the middle of the crash, it is literally slammed. Why do you think? Why, why do I know now? Yeah, why do you know? So I'm watching this and I'm like, the world is literally melting down. Everyone's panicking. People are because it was a panic at the time because it happened so fast. It was like that. For sure. And uh, I remember people getting let go of their jobs because there's no jobs because businesses are shutting down. Yeah. So unemployment went way up. And when we when we put out for, I think, 60 positions or 70 positions to hire for our business, for the bakery, yeah, we had like 500 applicants. And they were dudes that were making good money. But they're like, I just need a job to put food on the table. It was a weird time. Yeah. And so we opened and it was busy. And I remember going into the restaurant occasionally watching Sean and the, the people in there. And the thing that I realized is that they were happy in there. They were happy sitting, breaking bread, talking about whatever, the miserable stuff. But they're having fun right there because it's, a, it's an emotional and a social connection between you and I if we're going to go sit down and have some food together and talk about what's going on in our business. Yeah. And it's something you have to do. Does not matter what's going on in the world. You have to eat. Does not matter what's going on in the stock market. Dude, you and I have to eat three squares a day today, unless it's a Red Bull this morning and then two meals. But you're going to exactly. eat, right? You're yep. going to eat. And it just hit me like, it doesn't matter what's going on in the world. I got to eat today. They're eating and they're happy here. Yeah. So I started watching this while I'm trying to keep my business alive. Shauna going every month. Every month, I'm like, so are all your bills paid? She goes, yeah. I'm like, and that's your profit? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, What? I've never made profit in my life. I'm a tech company. Tech companies don't make money. Yeah. If anybody sits here and says that I'm a tech company, you raise money, money, like 1% of them do. <laughs> and so I'm like, that is mind boggling that you can make that much cash flow out of this. So I ran the business. We survived. We ended up selling it in March of 2009. So it was so a survived. success. Again. Survived it. That's crazy. It's crazy. Um, and I had the option of staying uh, on as president or do something different. And so I called up Shauna and I said, Hey, what if I come join you to come do this with you? And she's like, great. My dishwasher called out. Come on in. I'm like, fine. <laughs> so I went in the, in the store and I'm washing dishes, dude. So I literally went from the boardroom. I love your wife, dude. <laughs> I love your wife. Uh, That's incredible. I went from the, from the boardroom, um, high and mighty tech guy to the dish pit, dude. And, you, and was there a part of you that loved it? Out um, of curiosity. The, the first hour. Yes. <laughs> Right. Yeah. It was the first hour I liked it. And then I would say that, you know, the first couple of days, I'm like, I can't do this. This is beneath me. Yeah. And I just screwed my whole life up if I do this. Right. Yep. And then for some reason, I got stung by the bee, man. And I'm just like, I'm going to do some research on the industry. So I started looking at the industry. The crazy thing about this industry, the food and beverage industry, is it's always up and to the right, just growing like this. Always. Always. Does not matter what's going on in the world. There's a recession. You know what it does? It goes like this and flattens a little bit. And then as the market comes back, it does this again. Why is that? Because more I know more, you always have to eat, right? Always have to eat. Population's growing. And less and less people are cooking at home. So think about how many times you cook a meal at so home. So true. That's so true. Right? You're not yeah. Betty Crocker. I'm not Betty Crocker. I like to cook. 
occasionally, yeah. once a week maybe. Yeah. Other than that, it's like you eat out or you grab something on the way or yep. we're all eating out. So I watched that trend and I'm like, it's not like tech where it's the market's like this. Yeah. If you look past 30 years, it's like it literally it's a bo- it's a boomer bust. And food and beverage is just this. And I'm like, I need some stability in my life. I'm so tired of the roller coaster, man. Yeah. I've had success in it, but I was tired of it. And so I said to her, I'm like, well, let's, let's set a moonshot. What should we do? And she goes, let's do five of these. I'm like, all right. So we started building a couple more. And Our life then, Zach, has just been a series of moonshot after moonshot. We ended up doing 50 neaters. Oh, my gosh. 50 of them. And then we did 87 Little Caesars down in the southeast. And then we did the next thing. And then the next thing to where we've done 400 plus restaurants, several billion dollars in sales and hundreds of millions of profit. That I didn't plan that. Yeah. It's been a lot of work. Yeah. But it's just moonshot after moonshot. That's what we call our our whole career has been just moonshot after moonshot. Would define that. Define moonshot. Like a moonshot is wouldn't it be cool if we had 10 of these? That's a moonshot. It's like it seems un un uh like you can't unattainable. It, unattainable, unrealistic. It's unrealistic to get there. But exciting. It's exciting. To think about. Yeah. So set a moonshot. And if you come up short, at least you're still at a higher level than you were today when you set the moonshot, right? Yeah. So for us, it's like, what if we were to do this? It's like, okay, you know, we had a goal of having a hundred meters, but we got to a 50 and we sold them. Yep. And then let's go do this and set a moonshot. And then let's start with that. And then we would get to a certain point and say, it's good enough. And we'd sell that. And so our, our whole career together. So we've worked together literally since 2009 till today. And people have asked several times, like, do you guys enjoy it? Do you, would you guys do it again? And I'm like, I probably should have started my career working with her because yeah. we like it that much and we're good compliments to each other. And she's wicked smart. She's a great leader and she's in her swim lane and I'm into my swim lane and we swim next to each other and we do a good job, but I love it. That's so awesome. That is so cool. That That's such a fun story. And the savory fun, like you guys have done what are some other things you guys have done just so people recognize what, what the savory fund is? Yeah. So, so it's a, it's a fun story because most people, when it's a, uh, when it's a private equity firm, Zach, a lot of times it's you and a few other guys work in a fund, Mm -hmm. right. In a firm. Yeah. And then you guys talk and say, let's go do our own firm. And so then firms are spawned from each other. Got it. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And, And it's fine. It's, we're in a, we're in a market where we have free agency and it's a capitalistic mar- or capital market. And so you can go and do whatever you want. Yep. And so I don't take that against anybody, but ours was interesting because we were operators and we had, you know, a hundred people in our office that were supporting our empire of restaurants. And I say empire, it's everybody else built it into an empire. I, I did very little, but we have all these people working with us that are experts at construction and real estate selection and, recruiting and training and finance and HR and this, all of the stuff under the umbrella to run an, an enterprise yeah. we had. And brands started coming to us all the time saying, Hey, can you do what you did for them for us? So they would just ask. And I'm like, yeah, I think, but I'm really busy with what we're doing. So let me just give you some advice. So I would just give advice and I just help companies out. And I enjoyed that anyway, because nobody helped me out. So I'm yeah. like, I'm going to pay it back and just say, I'm going to help when people ask. Yeah, And so th- I finally had a pivot in my mind. I'm like, I'm going to start helping other brands because I think that we can with our team help them gain scale. Cause what I realized is that in, in the food and beverage industry, let's say you and your buddy come up with a concept and it hits serendipitously it hits. Cause it's all luck. The, the riskiest time to get into a food and beverage concept is number one, just, yep. so you know, that's the riskiest, but it's also risky for any business. People think it's food and beverage. That's risky. No, every business, when you start, it's always the riskiest. Yep. A lawn business. It could be a window washing business. It could be starting in summer sales and going and starting an area brand new. It, there's risk. Yep. It doesn't matter what it is. But if you hit on the first one and you have all these customers coming in going, oh my gosh, you should come over to Spanish Fork. Yep. And then you go look in Spanish Fork and find a place and then you open that up and that hits. When you do that four or five times, now you have a nice little business, got some good cash flow. But the skill set to get it from four, five, six, seven units as a founder mm-hmm. to 60, 70, or 100, very different skill set. Yeah. This requires building restaurants in other states you don't know and taking big risk and signing lots of leases and hiring thousands of people. And yeah. That skill set's different. Totally different. It's, it's not that that person can't do it. Mm-hmm. We figured it out. It's very hard and a lot of risk. But it's just a different skill set. So yeah. there's all these great brands that hit this. And we could then call them emerging, not startup, but emerging brands. 
Okay. And when they're emerging, they need help from there to here to get the big groups to go, we like that Cafe Rio brand Mm -hmm. and we want to buy it. We're the guys that will take Cafe Rio from a, not that we're part of Cafe Rio, but when you watch that grow, it was five, six, seven. They took some money on, they grew it to hundred units. And then a big firm came in and bought them out. And Mm -hmm. now they're growing it even more. Mm -hmm. This chasm is what we fill. Got it. The middle chasm that nobody where the, can Where they hit a few times to the spot of being able to go and really be really be one the of the players. Several hundred million dollar business. That's crazy. So the the impetus of Savory, people don't understand what it actually how it started, but you know, my firm, we were doing for 10 years, Neaters, Caesars. We had just barely bought into this little rink a dink company that nobody thought would work called Swig. And then we I know just how that met, went. Yeah. And then I bought into a brand that I really liked, but I was introduced to the founders, um, Mo Betta's Hawaiian. Mm -hmm. And uh, when I met Nicole Tanner with Swig, she was just asking for advice. Again, I was just giving her advice. And I gave her advice and she left my office and she was asking me, she's like, I have all of this success right now. I'm like, yeah, it's crazy. I don't understand it because I didn't. Like in Chicago, you go to 7-Eleven and get a big gulp. Like, what are people in your drive-thru for? Like, I don't get it. Yeah, 100%. Paying for a premium drink. So, um, she, uh, she called me like two hours after she left my office and she goes, can you just help me do it? Cause you gave me all that advice, but can you help me? I'm like, yeah, let me think about it. But that's how that one started. It was just giving her advice. And I took a flyer on that one cause I just didn't know if it would work, but yeah. it was intriguing to me. Same thing with Mobetas and the same thing with R&R barbecue. And, uh, at that time I was racing around racing. the country. I was racing Porsche. Oh, you were? Yeah. I didn't know that. That's yeah. cool. How and old were you at this time, by the way? Because you, as as you guys started it, you were still in your twenties, no, late twenties yeah, or early thirties. Late, late twenty, just turned thirty, and now I'm forty three. It's amazing, and so you I raced did it for about ten years. So I raced. I raced for about four years. So sick. So I raced Porsche, and you know, it's we had a, a little team that we put together called Reardon, and I put it together with um, Jeff Curl from Yeah, I know Jeff. Yeah, That's Jeff's, who Jake races for right now. Yeah. So Jake Peterson's a stud. I've raced with him. Have you? Oh yeah. Um, and so we had a team that had Jeff Carroll in it and Josh James was in there with his Domo car and Todd was in there with his Vivint car and then myself. And then we had one other racer and then, um, Greg Warnock, which is the, he's the founder of Mercado partners. And so we, we would race around the country and we had this race in California, uh, about six years ago. And, uh, we're practicing during the day. And then in the middle of the, the day, I'm sitting there with a couple of them and, and Greg, and they were saying, so Andrew, tell us a little bit about the food and beverage industry. And so I told them a little bit about what I just told you. Yeah. And they're like, can you make money, any money in restaurants? I always get that question. And I'm just like, and I know all of their businesses very well. I've known all these guys for two decades, but um, I said, yeah, you can make money. And they're like, well, so like, what, what will you do this year in sales? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know, 200 million sales. And they're like, really? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> And we'll do like 60 million in profit. And they're just like, what? Cause they, I, well, I would actually ask the same thing. Like, is it profitable? Yeah. 60 million bucks. That is psycho. So, so I, uh, I had Greg sitting there with me and we started having a kind of a conversation off to the side ourselves. And he's like, you ever thought about doing what you're doing, but doing it under a private equity umbrella because I'm private equity. Mm-hmm. Have you ever thought about raising a fund instead of using the bank of Andrew and Sean all the time and signing personal guarantees and doing it all yourself and maybe having a few other friends and stuff invest with you? Like, yeah, but it's working and I I just haven't taken any time to do it. He goes, well, what if you do it with me? I institutionalize the fund. We raise a fund together and we just do it under a new moniker. I'm like, cool. That sounds like an amazing Which plan. just removes risk from you, right? Removes, I mean, I still have risk because my money's in it too. For sure. But still less risk. Um, more participants, more cash. You don't have to worry about raising. You can scale more. You can scale more. It's a better structure because it's safer for the investors too. More diversity. Instead of having your money into one brand, it's into all the brands. And so I was just like, that'd be great. And he goes, join forces with the Mercado, be a managing director, founder of the firm with me. And I said, great. Shook hands with him. I said, let's do it. Zipped up our vest and went and raced a 25 hour race together. (laughs) That's so sick. So that was the start of Savory. So that's the, the that's the beginning of Savory. That was the beginning of Savory. And then since then, Savory has gone. And obviously, because that was, you said that was six was years 2017 ago. that we had that conversation. We launched um, Savory in 2018. I sold off all of my Neaters, sold off all of my Caesars because our strategy was just emerging. Now those were bigger. 
So let's go yep. after emerging brands. Which so, are the brands who have hit in a few places, but they don't have the ability or the knowledge right. or the skill set. They need scale. capital and they need a team. Got it. And so Savory started in uh, October of 2018. We had our first close. We raised $100 million on our first fund together. Bought five brands. So Swig, Mobetta's R&R, Via 313, mm-hmm. which is Detroit style pizza. Uh, the Crack Shack, which we've also made an acquisition into Houston's Hot Chicken um, as well. And that's in fund one. And then fund two, uh, we raised during COVID. So we started that in 2021. Was that a scary time for you? Scary time. But we can talk about that because it was it blew my mind how good it was for us. Good. I, I know it sounds crazy. That does. But in 2021, we raised another $100 million in January 2021. It took us six weeks to raise. That was all. So we raised $100 million, bought five more brands. Um, Pincho out of Miami. Um, Hash Kitchen, which is a brunch eatery, which we just opened in Draper too on 123rd, but it's in Scottsdale. Mm-hmm. AM Eatery. So brunch food. Amazing. It's a party. So if you go in there, just know it's loud. I love it. Um, Sicilian Butcher, which is an Italian concept, which is the best one I've seen. And then um, and made an investment to a Vietnamese quick serve restaurant down in Houston called Saigon Hustle. It's the coolest brand on the planet. Really? Two Vietnamese gals, mother, both of them, mothers of four. And I'm like, why Saigon Hustle? And they're like, we're mothers of four little boys. We, we're And we're from Vietnam. We got to hustle. <laughs> so that's how they that's came up. That's dope. It's super good that's food too. Dope. Very approachable. And made a couple of tech investments as well. So we we did that in fund two. And then we just launched fund three, let's see, eight weeks ago. And uh, have raised 110 million of 200 million. So we're going to raise 200 million in this fund. That's amazing. Holy crap. So that's savory, just so you know. Yeah, that is, dude, that's so sick. So 10 brands um, and uh, <laughs> 310 million so far. And we're going to get up to 400 million. So rad. That's awesome. So I, I like... In passing, I always hear, and I let you know, like I, I, I've known of you for actually quite some time, at least five years, right? Hope it's good. Right. All, always, no, always very, very good things. And, and my experience with you has been amazing. You've been super, super cool. But it's like, I've, and I've always heard Savory too. Like, oh, Savory owns that. Like Savory owns that. Savory owns that. And I'm like, I don't even understand what that means or how that works. So thank you for breaking it down. Yeah, That's very, very cool. Um, and then I've got a couple questions for yeah. you and I want to be super respectful of your time. I, it, time goes by really, really quick. Um, but I want to be respectful of your time. Um, my question for you is going back in time, like, what would you say? Obviously there's been a lot, right? Like a lot, a lot. And there's probably enough to go do three more episodes. Right. But like, what would you say is, is one of the things that a, you wish you would have known or B is like the most like groundbreaking thing you learned about life in general, about whatever, whatever comes to mind. Yeah. So I, I have an opportunity with uh, entrepreneurs that reach out and say, Hey, can I take you to lunch and pick your brain? That's the sentence. And I would just say to everybody, don't ever use that sentence because it doesn't work. Right. <laughs> I've used that sentence yeah, a lot of times. Don't, time. don't, don't say, cause I don't want my brain, my brain picked and I don't really want you to buy me lunch. What I'd rather do is buy you lunch and then just share you some stories. Right. So the best thing to do is just say, I have some questions for you and I'd love to have you help me with my, my life, my life journey, something like that, because that's really what you're asking for. Right. Very true. So, um, when I meet with these different entrepreneurs, I do it one hour a week. I push it on my schedule as much as I can. And I have my assistant do it because I just didn't have anybody helping me. I just didn't. And so I'm like, I gotta, I gotta tell them what I wish I would have known. So your question is timely because I'm always like, I wish someone would have told me this. Right. Yeah. First and foremost is it's going to take longer than you think. Hmm. You can't do it overnight. You know, you think about all these people that have had success, you know, around the country, but here, even in this small bubble that we have, you know, someone like Todd, whom I respect and love, he says such a good dude and a good friend and what he created with Vivint, it was not an overnight success. And there were so many times that people don't understand that they were faced with difficult decisions of, do you shut the doors or do you keep going? And I think that every great business has had that moment where success was out of many conversations of, do we shut this down or not? And it's just the perseverance of like, no, let's just go another day or another week or another month. So number one is it, it's just not going to happen as fast as you think. Mm -hmm. And so pace yourself and enjoy the journey as well. Because once you get to the end of it, it's fairly Mm anticlimactic. I think everybody thinks like, once I get this, it'll be amazing. Or once I get this, I've arrived. Mm -hmm. And it's incredible how many people I've met and talked to where they have arrived whatever that might mean. Yep. There's no fulfillment in it. And they're on the backside of that. And they're kind of just like, eh, and like they all say it. Yeah. 
And I, I wish I would have known. I remember um, having like the posters in my room growing up mm-hmm. of cars, right, Zach? And I remember one of them was a, a Ferrari. And I'm a Ferrari guy. I race Porsche, but I like Ferraris. And so I I remember buying my first Ferrari and get my first big check. I'm like, I'm going to go buy my first Ferrari. Get my red Ferrari, tan leather, 360 Modena, gate shifted. I'm just so excited. Get in it. I'm driving my Ferrari. I'm just like, this thing's so dope. I've arrived, right? Yep. Life could not be better. Next day, I get in. I'm like, this is super cool. Week later, I get in. I'm like, it's pretty cool. Another week later, it's like, eh, it's just a car. That fast, it was such a letdown that that fast, it was kind of like, kind of is not, eh, right? Yeah. Now, does that, has that stopped me buying cars and having fun with it? No, because it's a hobby and it's fun. Yeah. But it's not fun. But you've attached a different meaning to it. Yeah. It's more like I like the history of the cars and the, you know, the the structure and the, how they were built and I like go picking things out and stuff. That's fun, but it's just, it's not the reason anymore, right? Yep. The journey was cooler for me. So one, it's going to take you longer to don't push for the end because the end is pretty anticlimactic. And then what do you have, right? Yeah. How are you growing? Where are you pushing? What's the next summit? Yeah. I think when you get to that point where you kind of set it and you get to it, it's a false summit because you get to that and you're like, and there's a new one. But I could go there though. I want to go there. And then you get to that. And you're like, well, shit, it's another one. Yeah. So there's always going to be something different, right? Yep. And then I think the third one, and then you can ask a follow-up question if you yeah, want. But absolutely. my third one is, and I tell everybody this, is you can't skip steps. You have to do all of them. And unfortunately, I have, not fortunately, unfortunately, fortunately, I have two amazing boys. I have a boy that's married and I have this beautiful daughter-in-law that I love more than I think my son, but I'm just kidding. <laughs> but, you know, my son's the same way now. He's he's in college. He's wanting what everybody wants. We were talking last night about, dad, I think I want to go get this new car and we're going to sell this car. And this. And I'm like, why do you need this right now? You don't need that. Yeah. And he said a statement, and this is my fourth statement, is he said something that everybody his age is saying, even in their 20s and even early 30s, I keep hearing it. And he's like, but dad, this person, da 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 because I know that his friend is like, he's buying an Audi and this person over here just bought a house with his wife and this person over here, I'm, And I say, son, you know exactly how I feel about that. And I'll tell every entrepreneur and I'll tell my own boys this. And that is stop looking side to side because comparison is the thief of joy. You will never be happy if you're looking side to side going, oh my gosh, he's further than me. Oh my gosh, he's further than me. Ha ha. I'm ahead of that person. Does that really make you happy? Mm -hmm. And listen, there are people out there that that's where they get joy. I'm telling you that that's, there's no joy in it. Yeah. It's pretty lonely if you're ahead of everybody. Yeah. And it also sucks if all you're doing is looking side to side saying they're better than me. No, they're not. Yeah. We're all on our own path. Focus ahead. That's kind of the whole point of everything. If you can get to the point where you truly enjoy getting to where you're going, wherever that may be, like yeah. then you're the happy dude in every situation of life or the happy late, like that, then you're happy. Yeah. Right. So what are some other things? You just mentioned one, which is a huge one, looking side to side and comparison is absolutely the thief of joy. It's one of my favorite, favorite sayings. Because it is. But yeah. it's also kind of addicting, right? Yep. So it's, it's something you work on constantly is what I've found. But what are some other things that prevent people from enjoying like the journey rather than just clinging on to the destination? What are some other things? That's a, that's probably one of the biggest ones. Yeah, right? it's the biggest one. I think that I tell everybody, have a purpose, right? A purpose for doing it. So when you say comparison, let me tell you this too, Zach. I think that comparison is actually a good thing also though, because there's always a flip side to a statement, right? Like comparison mm-hmm. is the thief of joy, but how does comparison help us? Mm-hmm. If you do something in your life that I'm like, that's very admirable. Well, then it pushes me to want to do something like it. Yep. Comparing that to what stretches I would do. Your, yeah, stretches, stretches your, your ideas, your mind, your scope of what you're possible. We all learn from others, right? Why do we read biographies of people like Steve Jobs or because we want to look at him and go, we want to emulate him. We want to do some of the things he did. And it's helped a lot of other business people watch what he's done and compare themselves and go, I could probably do this better. I could probably wake up a little earlier. I could probably work a little longer. Yep. Right. So comparison is not always bad, but if you're comparing because of things, mm. it is the thief of joy, mm. right? That That's what I would say. That makes sense. But then the purpose too, I remember in my twenties um, as a tech CEO that I would look around at these tech companies and I'm like, they just went public or they just sold or whatever. I'm like, I got to do that. And I, I think I was a little bit more um, cutthroat. I was a little more temperamental. I think I lashed a little bit more at employees and people around me because I just had to get there at all costs, right? Yep. And I, I would say that my purpose was the money, 
right? It's the accolades. It's the money. And I had to go back in my mind. I had received this painting and I don't know if you've ever seen this painting, but it's a painting and it has a businessman and he's dressed in a, in a suit and he's got a ball cap on. He's got an apple in his face. Have you ever seen that painting? I have, yeah. It's called the son of man. And I'm not, I don't collect art, but I have this painting from the president of Sears and Roebuck in Chicago. He was a family friend. And he, he gave me that, that painting and said, remember what this means to you, but let me tell you what the artist painted it for. I'm like, okay. And he goes, this apple, this green apple, if you look at it closely, it's covering up his eyes, his face, everything else. He goes, what do you think the apple represents? I'm like, I don't know, but he's blind. And he's like, the apple is whatever is what's blinding you to what's great in life. So it could be money and mm. limelight, fame, but whatever it is. If you focus on that too much, it blinds you from all the great things in the world that are going on around you. And man, that just hit me like a ton of bricks. So I put it on my office wall. It's been on my office wall for 25 years. That's so awesome. I look at it and I go, because I fall into a two, Zach. Everyone does. We're human. Yeah. But I got to go, it doesn't matter. None of that matters. I have to have a purpose greater than that. So I, I have looked at it and said, I'm going to have a different purpose. And everybody has to find their purpose. My purpose is, I want to create as many jobs as I can in a good, wholesome environment to give them opportunity to grow into a career. Mm. And so creating jobs is my push, right? That's just my drive. And because that's my drive, I've created 45,000 jobs. Yeah. And I don't think I'm going to sleep until I hit 100,000 or something. And had you not changed that, do you think you would have gotten as big as you are? No, I think that I... Because my drive is growth, taking other people's dreams, having them see their dream come true by helping them with my team. That's our initial goal. Mm -hmm. And because of that, we've had success. I love that. I love that. That's gold. Yeah. The name of the podcast is Today's the Day. The whole point of it is like yesterday already happened. Tomorrow might not even happen. Today's all you've got at the end of the day. And that's that's what we strive to have. We strive to have guests on here who live that, embody that, explain that. And everything you've said has been so on brand. I can't even express it. I would absolutely love to have your wife on. I think it'd be you an absolute blast. Your conversation would be fun because it'd be totally different from I, her perspective. I, I feel like she would, she would the absolutely Southern Belle, kill it. She'd come teach you some things. I would love it, dude. That's like, that's my, that's my people. Okay, good. Um, but is there, is there anything else that you'd like to say before we wrap it up? Is there any, any other advice you'd have? Majority of our listeners are right around your son's age, maybe a little yeah. bit older. What, what would your parting words be? Yeah. My parting words would be that, um, People have asked me, like, when's, when's your toughest time? Was it in 2001 when the market crashed or 2008 or COVID? You asked about COVID, which COVID for us was amazing. We, we galvanized as a team. We galvanized with the customers. We pivoted our business and just crushed it. Why? Perspective. Working closely as a team, not quitting. And it turned out to be one of our best years. That's amazing. My hardest year ever. And, you know, social media from LinkedIn to Instagram to all the stuff that everybody uses, it's pretty viral as we know, but... I remember posting for my birthday this year. Um, uh, I think it would be, I said, you know, I love my family. I thank you for everybody with the birthday wishes. I think it'd be a surprise to everybody to know that um, it's been my toughest year of my entire career, my life. And people just had hundreds of people say, are you okay? Is everything all right? Is, yeah, everything's fine. It's just been a tough year, mm -hmm. really tough year. As a business owner and as a father and as a husband too, or building a house, selling a house, buying businesses, selling businesses. It's just so much, right? The problem is right now, I think in the world is that there's so much, I would say mental instability, but mental health issues that everyone's suffering. And I think it's self-imposed. When I say that it's comparing ourselves to others, not thinking yep. we're good enough, social media, making it look like someone's having the time of their life and their life is perfect when really it's not. Mm -hmm. And us comparing ourselves against them and indexing ourselves and I have so many people around me that I love and care for in my business and in my family that I'm like, how do we all get through this together without killing each other, right? Mm -hmm. Or making each other mentally unstable. And that's why I think it's been tough this year because there's just a lot of instability in the world, right, mm -hmm. Zach? And I think you probably feel that with your team and the guys you're working with. And so I, I would say this, and I say this to my boys too, and they've heard it since they were young and it's something that I live by. And that is that positivity breeds success. Positivity is a, it's an antidote for a lot of the stuff that we're all going through. And what I mean by that is this, you don't have to walk around like a happy idiot, you know, slap dumb and happy. If that's not how you're feeling, I'm not saying that. Um, 
I'll give you an example though. I, people look to me as a leader or to you as a leader, if you have a team or whatever, and they're like, however he feels, I should probably feel too. Cause mm-hmm. that's what's going on subconsciously. Right. And I think that as leaders or as friends, we have to be there for each other and be positive about the future. Cause what happened one minute ago, it doesn't matter. It's past us. It doesn't matter what happened. Yep. What matters is the next minute today. Today's the day. What are we going to do today that matters the most that then tomorrow's going to be better. And I always would say positivity breeds success. I get a call in my office, something I'm working on for months, uh, a couple of weeks ago. And it was a big transaction, big for us, hundreds, millions, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking in my mind, it's done, it's done. And it burned up, burned to the ground. And I get the call, uh, it's done. It's not going to happen. I'm like, oh, it's just like, I walk out of my office and I see two of my accounting team members walking past me and then one of my recruiters hey what's up andrew and i'm like one hey guys how you doing how's the day how's this how was your weekend whatever i just don't even let it blemish how they view me because Mm -hmm. i'm going to stay positive no matter what the case that's so powerful and because of that it will breed additional success and other opportunities and crazily enough those people have come full circle and are back at the table but what i'm saying is you have to look at things and say if i'm positive Good things will happen. If you start going down that drain, it's hard to pull out of that. Yep. And you don't know how much your influence of being positive will be what that person around you needed to push themselves to the next step. So positivity breeds success. And I would say always look at today as the day to start something different about your attitude, about your life that will make it better tomorrow. Yep. I love that. That literally couldn't be anything better. I don't have anything to add to it other than just thank you so much. I appreciate your time. I know how valuable it is. I know how, how busy you are. I really appreciate you yeah. making it down here. Thank you so pleasure. much. Yeah, it was. It was. That was a great conversation. So for everybody tuning in, thank you guys. And until next time, much love as always. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. Um, as always, it was a blast for me. I hope you got something out of this. If you got something out of this video of value, share this with a friend and please go show your love. We're on all streaming platforms, including YouTube, Spotify, and Apple. Any ratings, comments, likes, shares, they go a very long way and they make it so I can keep doing these things for you. And I would appreciate it greatly. So please go share with a friend. Until next time.